Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sharad, and in today's episode, episode two, I will be interviewing Chris Miller, founder of Miller Vision Clothing Wear, pro basketball player in Germany, coach in China. Currently, he's living in the States, but coaching in China. And we were discussing how he started basketball, where he went to school, playing pro ball here, playing pro ball in Germany, coaching, his life story, and what's he doing now, as well as how did he start his brand, the struggles of running a brand, the ups and downs of owning your own business, and what's he planning on doing now, as well as in the future. So I hope you enjoy Let's get started. Yo, what's up? Yo. <laughs> what's going on, bro? Chilling, chilling. Things are picking up more and more. Today was a busy day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I just got in the house, but uh, how's it going? What's up? Nothing. I actually, uh, the owners of the sweat line, I just went to the Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever to pick up some equipment. The little that they had left, because all that, most of the like plates and and squat racks and all that are cleared out, but they like are ordering stuff, so they're about to get that um, by June, July, and August because everything's on back order. But we yeah. got, I bought two sleds, bands, ankle weights, all that stuff. So they just like send me cash, and then I just got it. So, so I did that, and then and worked out before that. Besides that, just been chilling and uh, picked up another client. Um, cause it was like one of the parents from that I'm doing the online stuff just for one of my old clients. They just like finally responded today. So a little bit more, but that means that today, tonight and tomorrow, I got to do like six programs. Like I'm going to do your program. I'm just going to write it out for the week. So I don't have, so I don't have to worry about like if I'm late or anything, yeah. I don't want that at all. So I'm just going to have that one done too. So do that. And then I'm going to drop off of the equipment and probably work out tomorrow <clears throat> as well as make the videos at the sweat line so yeah that sounds good yeah what you do today chill just chill yeah we, we had a couple of barbecues today oh okay my little cousin uh my little cousin graduated uh junior high school he's going to high school and then my my brother's mother he she turned 50 today so it was like back to back back to back barbecues <laughs> well you got some good eating <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> All right, so let's uh, start off just by telling the people a little bit about yourself. Um, well, damn. Um, no, my name is Chris Miller. I uh, play professional basketball. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Um, 26 years old. Um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, well, let's do uh, how and when did you get started playing basketball? How and when did I start playing basketball? Um, well, I've been playing basketball since I was about like five years old. Cool. Um, basketball has always been the sport of choice. You know what I mean, like, it's always been the game of boys. You know, what I mean, like um, it's always been a game. It's always mm-hmm. been the game. So, mm-hmm. um, since I was like a baby, like four years old, five years old, basketball has always been the game. Whether it's been on the crate or a, a a fire escape ladder or 
a garbage can or an actual hoop. It's always been the game. So it's, it's just always been around. And then, like, how did you get started playing? Like, who who introduced you to it? Um, I think my brother introduced me to it um, when I was younger, like when I was like three or four years old. But like I said, it's just always been a game that's been around. So I just always like connected to that more. Like I really didn't like basketball. I really didn't like football. I really like baseball. Mm-hmm. But basketball, right, that's what I was about to ask you next. Was it what 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 made you choose that over the other sports? And and I would say this too. Like, what uh, did you play any others before you were just like I'm just going to stick to basketball? Um. It it really just stuck to me more than baseball, more than football. Cause, mm-hmm. and growing up for me, it was always basketball or football, and I didn't like mm-hmm. football. I didn't. I just didn't think it was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I tried it for a couple of years, but I just didn't think it was that. So like I just uh, I just stuck to basketball. Um, I just seen everybody, all the older kids, playing basketball. You know, what I mean, like I always mm-hmm. like really like. I like dunking. I like the, you know, the crossovers and stuff like that. So I just stuck to that. <laughs> right. That's how I feel the same. It's like you could watch – when you watch basketball, there's just way more action in the game. Yeah. And it's just like so so much more fun. It's more personal. You know, the cameras are like right in the player's face. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, football is like – especially when you're young, the jerseys start to just kind of blend in with each other. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And football, it was just too many people and it was too much yeah. stop and go. Like as soon as the yeah, play yeah. start, it would stop. And I didn't yeah. like that. So I just yeah. like – I like basketball. It's just constant flow. You know what I mean? So I just stuck to basketball. Um, when did you start to see, like, you could make a career out of it? Was it high school, college? Um, honestly, since I started, which was, like, at, like, 13 years old, when I started mm-hmm. to uh, organize, I just mm-hmm. always had this thought in the back of my mind. Like, I could play professional and I always had this goal of playing professional. I didn't know how I would do it from where I started from, but I was just like, I, I want to play in the NBA someday. I want to play professional someday. So, like, since 13, like 12, 13, that's always been my goal. And then um, how did you make the transfer from playing in the States to playing overseas? Mm. Um, it's a big jump from playing – from in the states than playing overseas. In the states, it's all about individual work. Like it's all about you and yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like you always like in the states, we we care more about points and like individual assists. Overseas, it's more about teamwork and you know being a good team player. And maybe you might not get the best uh, the best stats, but you are the the best teammate. You know what I mean? So it's more about the team overseas. So you just have to learn how to be unselfish. When it, it called like the reason why you got overseas is to be selfish, but once right. you overseas is to be unselfish. So it's 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 mm-hmm. like a real, it's a real like it's a real mind. Uh, it's it's real confusing, you know. What right. I mean, once you get overseas because the reason why you got overseas is to be selfish and to be the you know get as many stats as you could get individually, and then once you get there, it's just like the complete opposite. So it's just it's real confusing, you know. So, what, what would you say the challenges of playing overseas are on and off the court? Um, well, off the court, I'll start with off the court. Um, you're in a new country. You have mm-hmm. to learn most of the time. You have to learn a new language, a new culture, a new you know way of living. Um, and things are not as you the same as when you grew up. Right. Um, a lot of times, you're the only American. You're the only person that thinks like you. Um, most, you know, everybody looks at you weird uh, differently because you think different. You know what I mean? Like, right. you're, not, you're not in your own country. On the court, 
like I just like said before, um, everything is team. Everything is team oriented. You know, right. like, it's like basically like the Spurs. Everything is like the Spurs. How, how the Spurs play? It's team basketball. It's moving the ball. You know, get the get the last second shot. Um, no superstars on the team. Things like that. And rather than America, where it's like you know, if you got it, you got it. If you're the man on your team, you got it. You you just take all the shots. You know, I mean, if you hot, you keep shooting. Overseas is way different. You know what I mean? So like, um, if you shoot three times in a row, you're being the selfish player. You know, <laughs> right. rather than like if you shoot three times in a row, you're making three, then you're hot in America. So it's just it's just it's a real big difference. What uh, should players expect when trying out for teams for overseas play? Um, what to expect? I would say, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, expect the unexpected because, like I said, everything that you was everything that you grew up thinking was basketball is not when you go overseas. Like right, every, right. you know, what I mean, like you grow up like I gotta be the man. I gotta be. <clears throat> I gotta get twenty points, ten assists, ten rebounds. I gotta be the man. Whether than overseas, it's just like I gotta win. Now, does that depend on the team and maybe the level or the country you go to? Like, how does that influence that same mind? You know, if like if it's Nate Robinson when he goes to China and he's on the top level and he's also Nate Robinson, is he just like, I'm over there to get buckets? And they're like, we're paying you to get buckets. But if it's like a lower level player that, yeah, maybe he played D1, but he doesn't have the name and the camaraderie already. They're like, yeah, you, we, we got you over here to score, but like we want you to play the team game. Like, how does how does that? I mean, like, how does that differ? I would say the lower the level, the more you have to play. So, like, uh, the levels that I I came up in, like, I would have to score, play defense, rebound, assist. I would have to do damn near everything. Right. Rather than the Nate Robinson, where he is is at a better level, where he can just score. You know, what right. I mean, he can just score and do what he does, and they have everybody else to fill in those positions, you know what I mean? Like, right. To, to um, fill in where he's not. Um, but I would say, like, the lower the level, the more you have to do. So I started off on the lowest level, so I would have to do damn near everything. <laughs> then as the levels got, uh, as I got higher in the levels, you know, the, the job got a little bit easier, but you're still responsible for so much as an American. Right, like, right. I'll say this, like, if you lose, it's your fault. But if you win, it's the team's win, and that's that's the hardest thing I had to learn. Because damn if like, you do, damn if you don't. Yeah, <laughs> basically, like you know. Um, where would you say uh, players should try to play when they go overseas, and or like, what's your favorite? Like, is it is it a bias, or it's like legitimate? Like, yeah, you should try to play here because on and off the court, it's great or better uh-huh. than other places. I, I mean that's really a tough uh, question because it's it's really based on the player himself. Right, you know right. What I mean, I figured you're about to say that because obviously that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it's based on the player himself. Uh, me personally, I just liked uh, the lifestyle in Europe a little mm-hmm. bit better. Mm-hmm. I played in Europe and I played in South America. These are like two of the biggest, you know, uh, sections of the world. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, in basketball. So. Um, what I gathered is in Europe, it's more team play, you know. Um, you don't get as much shine as you sh- as you feel like you should, but, you know, the living situation is great. Right. And then some people, 
rather the South America way, which is like you get as much individual respect as you can, but the living situation isn't the best. Right, right. I remember we talked about that. Yeah, the shaky living situation. I don't yeah. know about all that. I don't know. Yeah, so, you got to be paying me crazy bucks, and I could be at least like in that main town, but don't be in some in some city where the city ain't really no city, and you in the favelas and stuff. Like, nah. Yeah, so like in South America, I was getting like they was literally just pushing me to be the best player I can be individually, mm-hmm. like get my stats, shoot my shots. Do whatever I wanted to do, the living situation wouldn't be the best. Even right. if they treated you the best that they could at, in their country, it still wouldn't be up like to America's like uh, standards. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like uh, you go to Europe and like their their standards are way past America. You know what I mean? Like, but the basketball situation, they're asking you to like take a step back from your individual game to to um, go into the team game. So it's just really tough. Now, I, I will say the things that, like, do you view it when they say that? It's like, well, if I take it back, I take a step back on, on my individual, and if you brought me over here and I'm the best player, so it's like if I take a step back, we may be losing. But then at the same time, if we win as a team because I was able to take a step back and, and everybody got a little better and we play better and then we win, do you think you get a job at a higher level quicker doing that or more like I get bigger stats and damn what you say, I'm just going to score 30 and then another team likes me. Like, which one do you think helps you progress quicker? See, like, that's the irony in playing overseas basketball. It's Mm. both. Mm. You have to figure out which games you have to be. Right, okay. uh, Which games you have to be Mm. the scorer, which games you have to be the all-around team player. You really have to figure out which is which, and you have to know, you know, this game is more about the team, but you have to literally score 30 while being a great team player <laughs> while getting 10 assists and 10 rebounds. And it, is it hard to stay in the flow of the game? Cause I see like, that's, that's kind of like the thing like, like LeBron does where he goes in these moments where he's just passing and you see him pass and it's like, yo, you had a layup. Yeah. It's like you're trying to get your teammate involved. So I feel like if you ain't 6'8", 260, it's hard to like, oh, I'm going to get back in the flow of the game and start shooting over people again. Like, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like that's that that sounds like such a – I feel like it's easier when you know I'm Jamal Crawford, I'm Lou Williams, or I'm Jason Kidd and I'm Steve Nash all day, you know? But like when you're like, I got to be triple-double with, with teammates, like you said in the past, that can't catch a ball – I don't yeah. know. That's going to be tough for me yeah. to flip each switch on, you know, and, and you know, playing a juggling match, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the hardest part about playing overseas <laughs> to me because whatever you're complaining about, somebody else is, like, wishing that they had that situation, that right. opportunity. So you have to make do – you have to win with whatever you, you got on your team. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have guys that can't catch or guys <laughs> that need it a certain way, you have to be able to, uh, you know, deliver Right. Um, you have to be able to work with whatever guys you have. You also have to get your points. You have to win. At right. the end of the day, you have to win. But um, a situation, I've I seen a situation where a guy was winning. He won a bunch of championships, but each game he was averaging like maybe seven points. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't, they don't like that either. <laughs> but also, they don't like the guy that's scoring 30 points and losing. 
Right. You, have to, you have to be somewhere in, in the middle between like a guy that's scoring seven points and winning and the guy that's t- scoring 30 points and now, losing. Now, do they look at efficiency too? Because it's like, what if I'm only scoring 20 and I got eight assists, but it took me a lot of shots to get that 20 and my turnover ratio is not so hot. Like, do they really go that deep into that? Because I don't know if they're as big as analytics, are they? But I feel like they got analytics more from overseas game, right? So that kind of makes sense. Or is it just kind of more upper level that they pay attention to that? I mean, the analytics, um, the biggest part is winning. Mm. So whatever you're doing, if it's resulting into winning, then you're fine. If you're, if you're scoring 30, but you have to shoot 20 shots, but you're winning every game, they don't really see it as much. Okay, okay. But if you're, if you're losing, if you're averaging 20 and you're losing every game, then that means something, you know what I mean? It's, a, right. it's, it's, it's such, it's so hard, you know what I mean? Like, it's not black or white. It's both. You know what right. I mean? And that's the hardest part about playing overseas. It's like you really have to figure out which person you have to be that exact day. Because tomorrow, okay. it can be a whole different thing. Or you can just be that one guy. If you're scoring 20, 10, and 10, you can you can be uh, successful in any league. Okay. You know what I mean? Unless you get 20, 10, and 10 in any league, <laughs> then you're fine. Mm-hmm. But other than that, sometimes you have to get your teammates involved and keep them happy. Sometimes you have to be selfish to win the game. But at the end of the day, you have to win that game. So that's the hard. That's the hardest part is keep winning the game while keeping your teammates happy. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, so let's transition. How did you start the clothing brand Miller Vision? Um, I don't think I've ever actually asked you that. So yeah. So. Basically, I started Miller Vision about five five years ago, mm. and I was always I was always broke. Basically, I I never really had a lot of money to afford um, certain clothing, certain uh, compression shorts or compression tops, or you know certain socks, basketball socks. Right. Um. So I was just like, one day uh, I listened to Wiz Khalifa, and he said how he made his own brand. Basically, like he wore his own stuff. And I just mm-hmm. thought it would be cool, like, if I can find a way to to make my own brand where not only am I wearing my own stuff, but I'm also wearing what I need. You know what I mean? I'm repping myself and wearing what I need. Right. That's how it all started. I started for me because you can buy a Nike shirt for $25 or you can make your own shirt for $5. You know what I mean? <laughs> a lot of people don't want to deal with the you know having their own brand you know they don't, they don't want to deal with that but i was i was willing to deal with that as long as it brought me whatever i needed at the time so at the time i was making whatever i needed if i needed compression shirts i would make a line of compression shirts if i needed t-shirts same with that same with shorts you know what i mean okay um so, so you 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 were the supply and demand basically in your own stuff and then it just grew from there yeah and then some people was like hey i like that can i like uh, where can I buy it? And I was like, I was so shocked that people wanted to buy, you know, things with my name on it, things with my uh, face on it, stuff like that. And then I was like, okay, people want to buy it, so I'll put it out to the public. But in the beginning, it was literally just so I can afford this because I couldn't right. afford Nike, I couldn't afford yeah, the, the compression, the compression shorts, thirty five dollars now. Yeah, I, I could the same price as what the tights used to be. Now the tights are one hundred and ten. Yeah, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't afford any of it, so I was just like, yeah, I can't afford this, I can't afford that. Let me make my own. You know, I started to look into how, you know, how these people make their things, and I was like, oh yeah, what 
twenty ten dollars. I can make pressure <laughs> shirts for ten dollars. Oh yeah, let me get that. You know what I mean? Like so, I just ran with that. And the, what are the uh, challenges of running your own brand? Um, the same thing, like uh, competing with Nike or Adidas. You know, I would put out a compression shirt that would be uh, $20. Mm. And Nike would put out a compression shirt that would be $50. And everybody would buy the Nike because, you know, Nike is a is a worldwide brand. It's, it's you know, it's its own name. It, it sells itself. Rather than me, you know, I'm I'm in competition. A lot of people would say, that, "Oh, I don't I don't like your clothing," but my clothing would be exactly the same, right, right, as the Nike. It would just have a different uh, logo on it. But because of that logo, that check mark, they'll be willing to pay thirty more dollars. Yeah, I mean, I have I have some of your stuff that's like two and three years old, just like yeah. my Nike. It lasts exact same because it's from the same place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and I'd like wearing yours because it's like it just. Some some of your designs could be similar, but some of them are like real unique, like that one that's the cut off white one with like the little kind of diamond pattern in blue. Yeah, and so it's like little stuff like that with your symbol on it. So people when they look, they're like, "Yo, what's that?" I'm like, "Yeah, you can't even get that." See, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you have to go to you got to hit up Miller Vision. Real quick. So a lot a lot of people tell me like, "Yeah, I don't buy uh you know local clothing because I don't like it," but. I literally made the same thing Nike made. Instead right. of putting a Nike sign, I just put my own sign. So what's the difference now? You know, <laughs> you know so. Yeah. So what are you uh, doing now for work and ball? And then what are your plans for the future? Well, um, for right now, you know, during COVID, I've just been, you know, staying in shape as best as I can. I've been doing some Instacart. I've just been doing, like, different things to make, you know, some, some money to, you know, just get by. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really just waiting for basketball to open up its doors, and once it does, I'll be ready to play wherever that may be. You know, I, I I was hurt last year, so this year I'm really ready to to get the ball rolling. You know, wherever that may be, I have to have a great year. So I'm just really prepared for that. And then, uh, so where can people find you? Instagram and Facebook or whatever. Um, my Instagram is the great. Miller, um, you know, Facebook and everything else is just Chris Miller. Uh, you know, yeah, I keep I try to keep it pretty simple. I try to keep it where everybody can just find me. You know, if you if you hashtag Miller Vision, you can probably find me in anything. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you could probably find me in anything. And then, what about your uh, clothing? So, if people want to buy clothes, where can they find that at? Um, same thing. I, I I I don't have a website. I try to stay on the free site, so I stay on Facebook or Instagram. If you mm-hmm. just hashtag Millivision, you'll probably be able to find me on any anything, even Google. You'll you'll be able to find me. So, and then um, you just contact me and you know tell me what you want, and I I get you done. All right, man. Sounds good. This is a this is a good one. We definitely gotta do it again. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> next time, yeah, I, I appreciate it for sure. Yeah. All right, bro. Peace. All right. All right. And there you have it. That concludes today's episode, episode two. I hope you all enjoyed it and tune into next week. We will definitely be doing another one. Uh, hopefully, I will be able to interview someone else, whether it be having to do strength conditioning or basketball, or a little bit of both. But. I'm exciting, excited to see where this is going, and I, I hope you enjoyed it. Have a good one. Peace.
Oh, remember, stay clean. Hello, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sherrod, and today's just a off the dome, as we'd say. Uh, just going to be by myself. I just want to talk about the basic rules of training as it pertains to being a basketball player, especially uh, the college and underage because, you know, even at college, sometimes even at pro, but mainly especially even at college and high school, you're not going to have access to probably really good training or any training at all through your school. So you're left with what should I do? So that's basically what this podcast is going to be about. Uh, so I hope you enjoy. So first topic we're going to go over is how often you should train. This is always a uh, hot topic because a lot of people either they don't do weight training because the excuse is whether they're in season or not is that I got to do basketball 24-7. You know, Kobe put up a thousand shots, so I got to put up a thousand shots and well, with the first thing you got to take in consideration is that many of the greats, including a person like Kobe, included weight training in his training, right? And didn't stop just because the season was there or they were in the Olympics or whatever. He was still training because that's what greats do. You can't stop doing what got you there because that's what got you there. So just think of it. Obviously, if you stop doing it, you're going to lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. So you stop weight training, you think you're going to somehow get stronger? You're going to maintain that strength? No. If you stop shooting three-pointers, you're going to get better at three-pointers? No, you're going to actually get worse, right? So it should be the same. Now, if you're not even weight training at all, you definitely need to do it. So when it comes to weight training, what I usually recommend and what I do myself and everything is that if you're in season, it should be two to three days a week, depending on how often you guys have practice, how often you have games and what basically you have access to gym time or the person you're training with or whatever, right? If you're in the off season, the preseason should be usually four days a week, right? And that should look like Monday, max effort lower, Wednesday, max effort upper, Friday, dynamic day lower, Saturday, dynamic day upper, right? So that Monday, max effort day, you're doing a max in the squat or the deadlift or the good morning usually and before this is always a max effort type of jump whether it be a broad jump a box jump single leg versions weighted non-weighted no running standing off the knee using barbells kettlebells dumbbells ankle weights weight vest combination of any right you do that first then you go into the squat deadlift or good morning that you're supposed to do the squat or uh, deadlift is usually one rep max sometimes if, if you're not on what I would call a deload week, but you're on a delayed transformation and you're lowering the intensity but upping upping the volume. Maybe you're doing maybe up to three, but the good morning is always, especially for like a basketball player who's usually lacking a lot more strength than let's say a football or rugby player, you want to always do three to five rep maxes just because it's safer because you'll be doing more weight in the good morning, but the good morning is very easy way to literally <laughs> – not kill yourself, but, you know, you can really hurt yourself doing it. So it's safer to do three to five reps. It saves you, and it's the movement is extremely tough if you're doing – like if you do a three rep max or a five rep max and you're going like – that's literally what you could stop doing. And, and what I usually recommend people to do in this scenario is to uh, – is to uh, you want to work 
three reps or five reps on the way up. So you get an idea like, okay, I only have 20 more pounds that I could do for three reps. Now, when you're doing your jumps, when you're doing max effort, you shouldn't be doing 20 sets to find your max, right? So let's say you got a squat, right? And let's say your estimate is for you think you can do 400 pounds, right? So you should start. I usually have people, especially if you're an athlete that isn't great with form and you're new to it, but if you're really strong already, let's say you were 400. You start with the bar, bar just do three to five reps. You just warm it up your body, right? Well, actually, no, because I'll say this. If you just did jumps, your body's already warmed up. So if your max is 400, you're probably starting off with 135 on the bar already. So you do 135, you do three reps. Then you do 225, do three reps, okay? Now, you jump to probably 285 to 300. This is your last set of three, right? Then you're doing from 285 to 300, you do probably uh, three, I want to say probably like 340, 350. You do two reps, and then you're doing one rep with 90% of that 400, so that's like 370-something or 380 or whatever. Then you do 400 for one. That's your old max or what your assumed max is. And if you feel like, all right, I got like 30, 40 pounds to take, add five to maybe 10 pounds, do it for one rep, and then that's it. That's how it should be done. You shouldn't be doing five sets of five, five sets of 10, because you know what you do? You just exhaust your muscles, and then you have nothing left to actually do a one rep. And then you're not ever knowing what you really could do, whether it's more or less, right? So, and you're just doing exhaustive amount of extra work for no reason. So, uh, that's how you want to do it when you're doing this, the the deadlift and the, and the squat, and then you're following that up by, you know, accessories. So, if you're weak in the hamstring, you're doing, you know, RDL, inverse curl, hamstring curl, you know, if you're weak in the lower back, maybe more good mornings, back extension, uh, glute work, um, that could be the ad, abduction machine, uh, side band steps, shuffling, and then anything with a sled, you can work the front, back, or side at all times, and then it's you're getting stronger and getting conditioned all at the same time, so the sled's probably the number one way to use accessories, and it's the cheapest way. And then you have, and then you just do some type of core work, something that usually involves uh, you having a core brace, meaning you have to flex your stomach out Right, that's what your stomach was made to do. Not suck in. Most people think you need to suck in when you're lifting. Okay, but you're not trying to be a bodybuilder. You're trying to be an athlete. So you know, uh, ab bridges, leg raises from a bar, lying six inch hold, side planks, uh, weighted uh, sit ups, a lot of decline sit ups. Those are good. Okay, so then your max effort on Wednesday when you do upper body. You do that same three reps, two reps, one, 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 but now you're doing it for a flat bench, uh, incline bench, standing overhead press, standing push press, standing push jerk, right? Um, Z press, uh, and then you're following that up with accessory work of uh, triceps, so you can do Williams extensions as the elbows out, JM press, straight bar extension you know you could do push-ups and then you're doing usually lat work barbell rows pull-ups stuff like that 
rear delt work, a lot of rear delt, a lot of side delt work. That's going to help keep your shoulders healthy. And you know, as a basketball player, you're usually checking somebody with your shoulder. And then your shoulders are going to be a lot of stabilization. You got to do a lot of isolation work when you do a defense, holding your hands up and stuff. So those need to be very strong and healthy. So a lot of rear delt and side delt work. So you can do side delt raises, rear delt flies, van tear, face pulls, upright rows, all that type of stuff. And then some type of uh, – well, it's, you could do some types of core. We don't really – because we want to do heavy core that's very, very hard. So usually two to max three times a week. So usually it's on the lower body day. So usually Monday, Friday. But sometimes you may do three days out of the week. But you just got to rotate that. So then that Friday day that your dynamic day, now you're doing 12 you – no, know, you're doing eight to 12 sets of two to three reps in the squat with 75 to 85% of your one rep max in the squat whatever that variation is followed by uh some type of deadlift for eight to ten sets of two to three reps with 75 to 85 percent of your deadlift max then you're doing accessory work this day is longer because the intensity is lower right because you're not doing a max so the volume is going to be higher so more sets in the squat and deadlift and then of course there's more usually conditioning on this day the accessories you push that much more fall and then you know you're finishing off with core work um and then you're doing jumps now instead of for a max you're doing usually 75 percent of either that max height that you did on monday or maybe 75 percent of that weight that you use for that jump so if you did a 30 inch box jump and that was your max you're using 24 inches for eight sets of five or 10 sets of four, right? So both days you want to get to 40 jumps. It's just that one day you're doing it for a max jump and the other day you're using the same weight or the same height or both for the entire time, right? And then Saturday, the upper body day, it's dynamic upper. So now you're doing 75 to 85% of your bench one rep max for now nine sets of, or eight to nine sets, I should say of three to five reps right now on both the dynamic days you can either do speed strength where you're using 75 to 85 percent of your one rep max or you can do explosive strength which is 30 to 40 percent bar weight plus 25 percent band tension so that's going to be 55 to 65 percent of your max in total whereas the other where you where you're doing speed strength it's 75 to 85. So if the person is lacking or you, the athlete, are lacking acceleration, maintenance of uh, top speed acceleration, you probably need to do the dynamic day that involves 75 to 85% where you're using 50 to 60% bar weight and 25% band tension, right? But if you're a person that lacks a lot of explosive strength where you can't come down from your jump and repeat that same jump as explosively or near explosively, stuff like that, then you need to be using that 30 to 40% bar weight with 25% band tension, right? So that's how you figure that out. You're usually going to need a trainer or a coach to really tell you that because they're the ones that's going to be to tell you watching from outside looking in, okay? And then let's go to topic two, what things you should avoid. I mean, uh, the, the, the biggest thing and a big misconception is people thinking that the more little funny toys that I have that don't really usually involve weights, it's those are the things I should be focusing on instead of training heavy. And the reason why you'll have so many trainers that are training pro athletes or high-level athletes and they're using these devices, number one, they usually don't know how to train. No, I'll say this. 
almost always they do not know how to train with heavyweights, the ones that actually do the job, and they want likes on Instagram because it's boring to do three-week waves. No, not boring, but it's boring to watch on Instagram somebody just doing the same 12 sets to 2 with heavy squat three weeks in a row before they rotate again and, and those accessories or whatever. But the thing is that sometimes you got to do the boring stuff for you to get good. And it's not – training isn't about how much fun you're having. It's about results. So when you're doing ladder drills or you're jumping over the little hurdles that are 10 inches, if if you could do that when you were four years old and you can do it now, that shows that that thing ain't as challenging as it is. Just because you sweat doesn't mean you're you're getting any better. And trust me, from doing a unnecessary amount of running – and doing ladder drills, let me tell you, I never got any faster doing it. You know when I got faster? When I started getting stronger by training with heavy weights. So if your coach has you do ladder drills, you know, in practice, and that's the conditioning, and that's the supposed strength, and you're balancing on a boosu ball while jogging a, juggling a bowl of eggs and stupid crap like that, you know, then just know that you still need to go home or go to the gym and get the real stuff that's really going to uh, – give you make real progress okay so you want to avoid the person that says i'm going to make your vertical increase four inches in one hour and you're going to get 12 inches on your vertical in two weeks and you know for some elite athletes that that will work because some elite athletes it doesn't matter what you do with them their genetics are so great that any response and any added supposed weight training whether it be with one pound or 100 pounds for them it literally can do do great for them just because they've been lacking it so much that it does a lot and their genetics or whatever, it's going to make it much easier to progress. And that's why you have trainers that the person's already in the league with a 40-inch vertical and then people see them train with this trainer or this supposed strength coach that has them bouncing on the bozo ball and they're like, oh, I need to do this because this professional athlete does this. But little do you take into account or little do you know this person already had a 40-inch vertical before they came to them. The ladder drill is not giving them the 40-inch vertical. Their genetics or what they did in high school and college. Like, what annoys me the most is when you see an NFL team that's training their players basically to be weak without them knowing it, which is I'm going to have them bounce on a BOSU ball for now. It's great to do the corrective exercise, and it's great to do functional training. But what's really functional is being strong. And if you're in an athletic sport, especially team ball sports, especially a sport like football, you're going to get hurt if you're the weaker player. That is just how it goes. Whether it's with contact or without contact. The weaker player will break down quicker. The weaker player will get injured either more often or also their injuries will be worse because they are weaker. Right? Strength training improves bone density, ligament, thickness, all that. So those non-contact injuries... Either don't happen or they're less. And when you do get hit by someone that's 300 pounds, you will be less hurt when you're the stronger athlete. That's just how it goes. So another, the third topic is who should you listen to? Who you should listen to is, is, is the list is, I want to say not terribly long. But I would also say it's just hard to find the people that are good because there's so many. I mean, I see advertisements on Instagram for people who don't know what they're doing all the time. and But because they just focus basically all on their marketing, their advertising makes them and their videos are just appealing to kids that don't know any better. So then you have people training and paying all this money for crap. So who you should listen to, I'll give you a few that I listen to myself. 
Because I don't hide where I get my information from because that's not what it's about for me. It's about getting the information out there so people don't make the same mistakes I did or other athletes, right? So who you should listen to, I would go to EliteFTS.com, E-L-I-T-E-F-T-S, okay? They have a vast uh, library of articles, and, and they have their table talk with Dave, uh, Dave Tate for their YouTube channel. I would go to WestsideBarbell.com. They have articles about samples of how to train, what your training should look like, depending on a variety of sports, as well as all their books that are very, very cheap. As well as other books that are not even written by them that they have in their search that I've taken and then the other ones that I'm going to take. So they're just like me where it's just like we just want the information to get out there. Um, Jacob Ross, he's a, a strength coach who trained uh, – well, he still trains Lou Aldang and various other professional athletes. Uh, Explosive Mechanics with Jared Bittney. He's here in Georgia too. Um, he has his own gym and he has so many kids that have 40 inch verticals that he's brought from like 20 inches. So that's a good sign, right? And they don't get hurt because they're strong. Uh, uh, conjugate connoisseurs, B3, uh, HP, something like that. I'm trying to remember it. But if you go on my Instagram, I put up a post, uh, of all these guys that I, uh, give a lot of credit where I get my information from, you know? Um, the gym I, I train at, the Rack Athletic Club, uh, Robert and Ed, the owner of the gym, uh, I get a lot of my information from them just from watching them every day and listening to the stuff that they post. So, you know, these are just some of the people that you can get a lot of, some of them, a lot of them free information and a lot of them just cheap if you only can, like, it's like if you can afford one book, some of them will have books on there, articles on there that can really give you a whole bunch of stuff at least just to get started so you can just know what not to do at least because the hard, one of the big, one of one of the cra- craziest statements but it's very true is i'd rather have no training than bad training because when you have bad training i you as a coach you have to undo all the bad training when it comes to skills or when it comes to the weight room it's way easier if you just have to start from scratch because you don't have all this muscle memory or this this wrong type of fast twitch versus slow twitch depending on the sport and what it needs if you have no training, then all we got to do is build, all right? What things can you do at home if you don't have access to a gym? Topic four. Um, you can still follow that same four-day split. You can just use weight or sometimes no weight and use the same exercises with stuff you have at home. Or if you go on EliteFTS.com and Westside Barbell, you can um, get bands and uh, you know ankle weights and weight vests and Hopefully a sled, and those things are all not too expensive, but you can do a great deal with them. And especially the younger athlete, being that you're usually weaker, can your body will respond tremendously to these things. Okay. Um, what should my diet look like? I would say the younger, the younger you really are, the biggest thing you need to focus on is getting enough protein in. So, you know, for all the vegan and vegetarian people, not that you can't do it, it's just going to be that much harder. And if you're not a rich or a very wealthy person, it's going to be tremendously hard for you to stay under a certain amount of calories that you're not gaining weight to then still hit your protein, carbs, and fat. So most kids, you know, if you don't have a, a, a nutritionist or a person like my girlfriend that can monitor your, what you're doing, I wouldn't focus too much on the carbs and fat. I would just mainly focus on how much protein you're getting. And the protein, old way of thinking was one gram per body weight. 
I tend to agree with eating your lean body mass in 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 uh, in protein for one gram per that lean body mass. So for me, uh, I'm 205 <laughs> right now. I'm 220, getting a lot of weight since this Corona. Whew. But so my lean body mass was 178, right? So I would eat 178 grams of protein, not 205, 178. The easiest way to do that, whether you're ve- especially if you're vegan though, you need protein shakes. So whether it be one or two a day, if you get a nice lean protein shake that is like one gram of fat or one, you know, one to two grams of carb, whatever, you're basically just getting the protein from that. And it's only usually 150 to 300 calories depending on the protein shake for 30 something grams. So if you do that twice a day, for most athletes that maybe only have 100 to 130 grams of lean body, 30 pounds of lean body mass, then that's already half your protein. Then you do yogurt that has zero fat. That's 15 to 20 grams, right? So then you're at 80. Then you do um, like six ounces of chicken. That can be another 30-something. So you're already at 100-something. So you see what I mean? You you do that a few times a day. You get some beef jerky. You know, that's like 20-something grams if you do one ounce. And there you go. Because the biggest thing is that not only do you want to maintain the muscle that you have, hopefully – if you have the correct training program, you gain little to no weight, but the weight you do gain is in the muscles that are lagging that you need to gain a little bit of size to create a certain amount of strength. So if you have really, really weak hamstrings, you probably, when you switch to a really good training program, like the conjugate style from Westside, you'll be gaining probably a little bit of muscle maybe in your hamstring. But if you're not even meeting your maintenance goal protein, you're not getting any, it's going to be, well, it's not that you're not going to, it's just going to make it longer or much harder to obtain that compared to somebody that is hitting that protein. So that's basically all there is for today. If you have questions or you would like to train with me, uh, you can DM me on Instagram. My profile is Khalil underscore Sherrod. That's K-A-L-I-L underscore S-H-E-R-R-O-D. And we can talk about a training program, what it entails, what are your needs, how can we get them, and what are your goals, and how do we how do we get you there? You know, whether as you have a gym, you don't have a gym, whether as your coach is like, I need you to do these two-hour sprint workouts every day, because I know how that is, we can still get the work that's really going to make you, hopefully that D1 prospect, or if you're that college prospect, if you're already that college player, get you hopefully to that pro level or just get you more minutes or get you off that bench, you know. So I uh, hope you all enjoyed the podcast and tune in next week. I'm probably going to do another one. And peace. Remember, stay clean.